Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. I am Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach. I'm the founder of the Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program, creator of No Hassle Newsletters, and author of six books, usually behind my shoulder, but not this month, which you can get for free, and I will tell you about that at the end of the show. But most importantly today, I am the host of Dream Business Radio, now in its 10th year. This is episode 545. Got a great show for you today. My special guest is Kevin Roth. Kevin, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Good to be with you. Good. Excited to share your story. Um, folks, this episode of Dream Business Radio is brought to you by the Dream Business Mastermind Coaching Program. Whoa, imagine that. <laughs> if you're an entrepreneur, a small business owner who's tired of slow to no growth in your business, if you're feeling overwhelmed and focused, but especially if you'd like to learn how to create multiple streams of revenue, which is the number one way you actually create a very healthy income, then you want to be part of this extraordinary virtual mastermind led by me, Captain Jim. You can learn more at dreambizcoaching.com, dreambiz coaching.com. All right, let me tell you about Kevin Roth, and uh, we will dive right in. Kevin began playing the dulcimer at in 1972 at the age of 13. At 16, he recorded his first album. Yes, back then it was albums. And between 1974 and 1984, Kevin recorded 10 albums, established himself as a prominent folk singer and dulcimer player. In 1984, Kevin performed the theme for the PBS children's show, Shining Time Station. Kevin is uh, friends and has collaborated with Paul Stuckey. You may recognize the name from the legendary trio, Peter, Paul, and Mary. His musical career has taken him to concert and symphony stages around the world, including two appearances at the White House. And just when everything was um, going along swimmingly, I guess, then, you know, boom, life took over. And Kevin, very much like my story, had a... Uh, pretty bad diagnosis with melanoma. He had a um, choice to either accept a death sentence. His, his was um, worse than mine. He had a, a either a death sentence or he chose to, to live. And um, obviously he chose life. We're so glad to do he did that. Kevin not only discovered, but in the process, how to survive, but also how to become truly happy and thrive. Today, Kevin now guides individuals and groups in the discovery of what really matters to them, how to accomplish their goals, and how to handle stress, something I think we both know about, um, which is an essential factor to a healthy life. Kevin, welcome again to Dream Business Radio, my friend. Good to be with you again. So you first Florida of all, in San Diego, <laughs> Florida, yeah, two pretty nice weather situations right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, I, first of all, you know, we're about the same age. We're both melanoma survivors. And um, so I'm happy to spend this this time with you. But I'm also a, a fan of folk music. And um, it's really interesting that we connected. And I think before we catch up to what you're doing today, which is really how, how we got connected, let's go back to 1972. As I said, you were 13 years old. You started playing the dulcimer. And I was thinking when I was 13, I, I bought a drum set. I wanted to be like Mickey Dolan's of the Monkees. <laughs> Right. How did you happen to pick up the dulcimer? I mean, was that like a somebody handed it to you or did you have interest in it? I didn't even know what a dulcimer was, actually. I saw one at a party. 
I saw a young, uh, pretty lady playing one in the kitchen at a party, and I just fell in love with the dulcimer and then became friendly with her, and we're still friends. And so I've been playing dulcimer, and Anne's been a friend of mine for 55 years. Wow. At what, so at what age did you realize, I mean, as, as I said, the couple, you actually create, you did a record album and it's, it, you're being a musician and, and songwriter and everything's your whole, pretty much your whole life. But when did you realize music was going to be your life? Like, did it bite the, did the bug bite you so much as a teenager or, or what, did you go to college and what happened? No, I, I started to play the piano by ear around the age of four. So I was, I was born with really two major things going on, music, and I was always spiritually curious. So uh, I played the piano, and then one day my sister brought home a Peter, Paul, Mary album, and I fell in love with Mary and their music. And then I just, when I saw the dulcimer, I just thought, you know what, I'm going to be a performer uh, like Peter, Paul, and Mary, and I'm going to make it. And I sort of uh, had, I saw as a child really three distinct um, future visions of my life, which I talk about in, in my book. And the first phase was that life would be kind of difficult, uh, but musical. And the second was it would be musical and successful, but difficult. <laughs> and then the third was where I'm in now, which is um, successful and happy. Uh, and music was sort of my lifeboat through a lot of ups and downs in life. But I got very lucky and I got a record deal at 14 and I got a TV show when I was in my late 20s, early 30s. Yeah, so. Uh, yeah. You had a record deal at 14? Yeah, I played the dulcimer. I saw it at 13, and I got a record deal at 15. I'm sorry, it came out, I think, when I was 15 or 16 on Folkway Records. So I did a dozen albums for Folkways, which is part mm -hmm. of the Smithsonian now. Then I got into children's family music and Shining Time Station and then uh, back to sort of adult music for a while till I went on a sabbatical leave of sorts. Did your, well, I'm guessing at that age, did your parents have to sign the contract or how did that work? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a good question. They should have, but no. I went, wow. I went to the office of Moash who ran Folkway Records with an agent. Okay. And Mo who ran Folkways was a really gruff old Jewish guy who was very well known in New York City in the folk scene. I mean, he had, he had Woody Guthrie and Pete Seeger. And mm -hmm. he told, he said to me, come in my office. And then Dick got up with his briefcase and he told Dick to wait us. <laughs> oh boy. And I signed the agreement. I didn't even think about it ever until this moment. Yeah, it wasn't 21. It wasn't a legal contract. But anyway, I, I signed one. It was like one page. Yeah. And I was just thrilled with the record deal. I'm such a been a music fanatic in my whole life and i've read so many autobiographies uh, like john foding credence and about grand funk how these contracts were so one-sided and then all of a sudden you know they start making all this money but they get none of it um maybe yep. that was just the early 60s i don't know what it was like in the 70s but wow that's pretty well, crazy i'll tell you a funny story um after i recorded for folkways and got a, a bunch of uh, recognition you know musically at least uh, for my career, my father suggested that I start my own record label because I had hmm. started to record for a children's record company and the album Lullabies for Little Dreamers did really well. But I was getting, you know, like 70, 80 cents royalty. So he said, start your own company. I said, well, I don't know how to do that. 
And he said, well, how much could it be? You pay for the recording. You're, you're performing it. You've got the cassettes or the CDs and it costs you two bucks and you sell them for 10. And I did. So That's I started playing. Yeah, I started my own record company. I don't know how old I was, but then later I signed with Sony Records and other major people, and they gave me a lot of money, but they, they weren't great deals. I, that's why I love being self-published and self-record companies and, and just own the control, because then you can do what you want with it. Did you start out um, playing other people's music, or did you, instant, did you know you were a songwriter? Because I know you wrote, you've written a lot of music. I did both. My main influences were Peter, Paul, and Mary, uh, Joni Mitchell. Mm -hmm. um, not many dulcimer players, interestingly enough. Uh, and then I started to write very young, sort of to get my feelings out. You know, it's what is great about being a songwriter or, or, or an author, as you know, you get your feelings out. And uh, what's wonderful about being a performer, especially when you're young or at any age, is that people applaud you and then they pay you for your thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Whether, whether you're an idiot or not, they seem <laughs> to do that. So, you know. Um, so before I transition into the book, as me just being a, a music fanatic and just, I'm so fascinated with the whole industry, actually. Did you have any, I mean, today we might call him a coach, but not in the seventies. Did you have any mentors? You know, your dad said, we used to start a music, you know, your own thing. Did it, was anybody leading you by the hand? At that point, or were you kind of figuring it out as you go, entrepreneur style? I got nothing but bad advice. Oh. Uh, the advice that was great was from my dad and my gut. Mm -hmm. Because people didn't, first they didn't want me to play a dulcimer because nobody knew what it was. Yeah. Then they wanted me to uh, do things a certain way. And, it, you know, if you say to me, go in this door, you can be guaranteed I'm going to take the side one. It's just my nature. Mm -hmm. So I have to sort of find my own niche and do it my own way. Um, I did have a really good agent for a while and she books okay. some shows. But uh, yeah, no, I, so, you know, when you're in the music business, you get to know other musicians and you hear about the good things and the bad things and you keep your eye open and just um, cross your fingers and do your best. Yeah. So, Kevin, let's fast forward to really just a few years ago, 2015 to be exact. You're, you get this phone call and your doctor tells you, you have stage three melanoma. Um, and I read in your book where you then said he or he said you had a 70 percent chance of dying within two years. I mean, wow. That, mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, I know what I, I, I kind of know hearing news like that. That must have hit you like a ton of bricks. Oh, it floored me. It completely changed my life. Yeah. Because when I went in to the dermatologist, it was just a routine dermatology appointment. He said, but I don't like that dark freckle on your nose. So they mm -hmm. took that off. And then they said that wasn't cancer. And they were wrong. The pathology report was wrong. Then a couple months later, I had a lump under my chin and a lymph node. And they took that out. And then they called me nine o'clock on a Monday morning and said, listen, you've got to get to an oncologist immediately. Mm. So that began the world of, I'm now in the world of the sea world, cancer world, which I never in a million years thought I'd be in. Right. Well, I never did anything. But as you found out, as many do, one out of every two people have cancer. The problem with the melanoma for me personally was that the type that I had, there was, there's no cure. Mm. So I finally found an oncologist who was brilliant. And he said, look, you've got a 70% chance this thing's going to come back right now. There's no signs of any more cancer. 
So you have to wait a year. And then if it comes back, you probably have a couple of years left to live. And I knew in my gut, uh, Jim, that I wasn't going to die. I, I, yeah. I knew it because I'd had a premonition about it. But man, that is a long year. But yeah. because that was the time that I said, you got to change your life. You've got to create a life you love instead of having to constantly make it and, and new records and touring and stress. Yeah, when I when I was diagnosed, I was already unemployed for one year. So I was already in a pretty weak, bad place. And I mean, today I look back on that and that I call that my season of crises. But that has completely changed my world. So it's like I don't want I, it was no fun, but it really made me better man, a better person, better husband, I'm sure, better father, all that. So it's kind of yeah. weird how that works in your book. Um, and, and please feel to correct, correct me if I'm wrong. But in your book, I also read where. Um, you had played a concert. I believe it was a New Year's concert and you heard a, um, a Gloria Gaynor song, I Will Survive. And did, did you, did all of a sudden did that come flashing back to you? Did I remember that right? Yeah. You know, I, I start the book out with that story and everybody loves that story. And everybody reads the book because of that story. So yeah. the story is that I was playing a concert in Portland, Maine on New Year's Eve and I was depressed. I was freezing cold because I used to live in Florida. Mm -hmm. And I went to a diner and there was a really, a really large, hefty waitress and they were closing and I was telling her, uh, I guess my troubles and she was telling me her troubles and she invited me to go to a dance club. And I said, well, I can't go because I can't dance. And she said, well, <laughs> nobody, nobody knows you here and you got all these strobe lights and you could stand still and look like you're dancing. So we got a couple drinks and we were on the dance floor and they were playing Gloria Gaynor and. This woman, I, I didn't never even knew her name, this waitress, but she had the biggest hips I've ever seen on any, and she would slam into me on purpose to like bounce me around. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was funny because it was the first time I remember just letting go and not being Kevin Roth, you know. Mm. Um, and it was a lot of fun and I get drunk quick because I don't really drink. Um, so I remembered it when I got a cancer, you know, these things come flashing back into your mind. And I thought, you know, there was a freedom there in that moment. And, uh, you know, you got a little rich Kevin, you got a little famous Kevin, and that didn't bring you happiness. So you better figure it out now, because if you have two years to live, you better do it how Sinatra does it my way. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I don't know if you're much of a country music, but Alan Jackson has a song about a waitress, and I don't even know your name. It <laughs> made me think of that when you said that. Um, so you wrote in your book, by the way, your book's called Between the Notes, Practical Ways to Find Your Inner Groove and Dance to a Beat That Makes Your Heart Sing. I love the I love the last part of that. I mean, I like it all, but that makes your heart sing, which is great. Um, you thought of three pivotal questions that seem to grab your attention there, I guess, when you're on the couch shaking in fear. Do you, do you remember what those three questions were? Oh, yeah. Uh, what matters to me? Yep. Why does it matter to me? And what am I going to do about it? Right. And the answers were real quick in coming. What matters to me is my dog, my music, my art, and spirituality. Why does it matter? It's because it's authentically who I am. There's no bullshit involved. That's who you are. What are you going to do about it? Well, I was living in Kansas at the time. So I said, I'm getting the hell out of Kansas. It was February and it was freezing. And I said, I'm going to figure out a way to live in San Diego, almost bankrupt. 
So I called around and I got a, an apartment for what I could afford, which was great. It was, a, it was like a miracle. And I moved to San Diego and never looked back. And what then, were you doing in Kansas? I'm sorry, Kevin. What were you doing in Kansas? I was making a record album with Noel Paul Stuckey. Okay. Um, yeah, and I was I was hanging out with my sister for a while because my life mm -hmm. sort of imploded back in Florida. So I went to live with her. Well, I ended up getting an apartment, but I ended up going there to kind of reframe my life. And that's where I got the diagnosis of cancer. Uh, I'm sorry. So you were in Kansas when you got the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you, in, in figuring out who you are and what you wanted, had you lived in San Diego or was that just a, a dream of, to, of yours? No, about 15, 20, 15, 20 years prior, I, I owned a home here. Okay. Um, that was during the rich and famous period of my life. Okay. Um, but I said in Kansas, I said, you know, I can afford a thousand a month and I want a mm -hmm. one bedroom by the beach with parking and laundry, which is almost impossible. Mm. But I found it and uh, I create these. I, and this is what I teach people to do, you know, as, as a consultant or a teacher. So I teach people. The first thing I ask people, clients, is what don't you want in your life anymore? Then what do you want do you, and know why? And then let's create it because it's not impossible at all. It's, I mean, I completely turned my life around and the clients I work with, I mean, they completely turned their life around. Uh, the, the key to doing this, as you know, uh, you know, from all the books you've written and the interviews you've given to the coaching you do, is you have to want it. Yeah. You have to be ready. You have to say, I am done with this unhappiness and I want to have some joy in my life. And then the universe opens up to you if you ask. Yeah, it's interesting when I'm coaching people and, and I always describe it as peeling the onion back because some people will probably say, well, what do you want? And they'll give you an answer. And it's really not the right one. It's like, well, why do you want that? And it's going to peel the onion back. And then, well, what, why do you want that? Why does that mean you peel it back? And then you kind of get to the nub, maybe two or three questions. And I don't know if you've had that experience, but it is, I agree with you. It is important, not only what to ask somebody what they want, but what they don't want. And yeah. um, really, Kevin, you know, I think uh, probably in the, in the last three years, it has crystallized with, with everything kind of we've, go, we've gone through and social media and all that. It's like, I do not want to be around negative people. Yeah. I don't want naysayers or doomsayers. I don't want people telling me, no, you can't do it. It's like, man, I used to, in the old days of social media, you know, you might, eh, I'll give them one more chance. If somebody like, pardon my expression, pisses all over, boom, you're gone. <laughs> I just yeah. don't have time for it. And I don't want it. And, and actually, possibly more important than that is I know what it does to my brain if I have to think about it and, and you know, nurture it, I guess. Yeah, that's, I, I was telling a client uh, just um, yesterday, I said, when you believe the negative thoughts, you suffer. Mm -hmm. So, you know, thoughts create feelings. So you have to look at, is this thing that's bothering you? First of all, is it even true? You know, and they yeah. like, for instance, money. People say, I want money. People don't want money. Money is paper. They want the feeling that money gives them, right? Right. So, Or, uh, or the freedom it, it can provide, right? Yeah. But the great thing about all this is when you tune into how to do it, at least for me, I do it on a daily level and I'm always reinventing my life all the time. Happily. It, you know, it's like tuning a guitar. You get in tune when you get cancer because you got to, right? You get in tune. And then as long as you tune your guitar every once in a while throughout the day, it stays in tune. If you ignore it, it goes way out of tune. And then it's that's right. So it's like I, I do retuning on myself throughout the day. It's all, all, really automatic at this point what a great analogy 
Um, you know, being an author myself, I, I, I enjoy I enjoy books, but I enjoy diagnosing, if you will, or diving in to see how they're written. So one of the first things I do, um, if there's going to be a book I'm going to read or if I'm going to be interviewing a guest, I'll go to the table of contents. Because I think the table of contents, well, this is going to seem like a duh, obvious moment, but it's a it's a window into what the whole book is. But for me, as a as a copywriter and a writer, it's a window into how creative or, you know, instead of chapter one, where it all began. I mean, you know, that's kind of boring. But I think your chapter one was called realization, mm. which is kind of a it's like inquisitive. OK, let me ask you about that. So, Kevin, let me ask you, what was what was the realization? Was that was that post? um cancer diagnosis or post, yeah, I'm going to be okay. Now I want to fix my life. Well, you know, I talk in the book about precognitive experiences that I've had throughout my life. And right before I moved to Kansas, I had a sort of a precognitive experience, some call it psychic, that I would come down with a major illness mm -hmm. and it would be fairly serious, but I'd be okay. You so just, you, you felt that you, you, you just instinctively knew that was going to happen my whole life. Wow. My whole life, yeah, and and it's a shift. It's it, it's 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 a shift, and it's a strong one. It's it's a thing that says, uh, "Stop, look and listen." That's happened, and, and you and I have spoken before about my own coaching practice. That recently, I came, I hit a wall, uh, a good wall, where it said, "What you're doing is great, but it's not working for you." Mm -hmm. So you need to step back and look at what is going on and um, follow it, knowing that it's going to be amazing. It's wonderful. So that's why when the doctor told me you'd be dead, I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> I've had you know. this dream and it doesn't end that way. <laughs> no, sorry. You're in the wrong picture, dude. You know? Yeah. Um, another chapter was called rags to riches doesn't mm -hmm. equal happiness. I kind of have a feeling what that one's about, but once you take a minute and share. Well, I thought if I was rich and famous, I'd be happy. And you're not. Uh, money doesn't buy happiness. It makes a more comfortable living. But when I was, I mean, you know, I, I've been very rich and I've been very broke. When you're a folk singer, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty a tough living. Um, but when I got the cancer and, and I ran through a lot of money um, and a lot of fear, a lot of fear, mm -hmm. Um, I became a minimalist, not by choice, but because I knew I was moving and I couldn't take things with me because I didn't okay. want to take the moving man. I'm still a minimalist, man. I love it. In fact, a friend came in here the other day. He says, your place is so clean. I said, it is? I'm looking <laughs> at the floor and thinking, I haven't cleaned the floor. And he said, yeah, it's like there's like very little things in here. It's like open. It's free. And I said, yeah, man, that's how I like to live. I can yeah. pack up the entire place in a day and leave I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. When we sold our house and moved on the boat, we initially thought we'd do it for years. So we had a storage unit, but then when we figured we're going to do this for years, why pay that storage fee for all that stuff? It, we'd end up spending more money than we could replace everything in the storage unit. Yeah, 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 and yeah. So that was like a financial decision. But the result of that, Kevin, was I felt so light. We yeah. had our boat, we had one car, and we had a few things like really close mementos, personal possessions, antique kitchen table, that type of stuff. That was always going to stay with us. But other than that, I didn't have a, a world of stuff. I didn't have a yard with a shed with tractors yeah. and snowblowers and weed whack. All that. I, I was free of stuff. I can't even describe. I never thought I'd be a minimalist. I don't even know if I am today, but I think I am by 
whoever's standards, but it feels so freeing. I know exactly what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. And in the way that I handle negative thoughts that come into my head, which happens, you know, for everybody being human, you know, uh, I, I, they, I, they come and they go, boom, boom. It's like, I don't want the negativity. I don't want the drama. Boom, boom, boom. It's, so it's a choice that we make and uh, that I teach people how to recognize and the tools what you know, to, to do to, to make it flow better for you. Yeah. Um, two more chapters I want to ask you about. And then I want to talk about your coaching business. Um, Everyday Joy. Mm -hmm. what's, what's that chapter about? You got to get up and create it. If That's your responsibility, correct? It's your responsibility. Um, and you have to you have to have mindful awareness. You need to be aware. Like, for instance, I do intermittent fasting because I like it. So I don't usually eat till about one o'clock this mm -hmm. morning. I thought you need to eat something. I didn't know why I wasn't hungry, but I trust it. So I follow my gut, which leads me to uh, pretty good places. And I create my joy by mindfully watching what comes into my mind. You know, so if there's a problem that occurs, it's not the end of the world. That's one of the things that cancer changes. When, when you can survive cancer, yeah. you, you can do anything almost, you know? It's like almost nothing bothers you, right? Yeah, so you have a choice. Do I want to be happy or do I not want to be happy? And I just mm -hmm. choose to be happy. And that's living a very simple life, very authentic, doing what you love and loving what you do. I used to have, um, not that I was a hothead madman, but I used to have a fairly short fuse. And after the post-cancer, the only thing that really lights me up if is somebody hurts, harms, or makes fun of my kids, or does something to my family. Boy, that sets me up. Other than that, I don't care. Go go yeah. ahead in front of me. You know, it, does, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, so the final chapter I want to ask you about real quick, um, tuning into silence. Yep. Yeah, the mind likes to talk a lot. Okay. Chatter, chatter. So I developed for myself something called dulcet meditation, where I play the dulcimer simply and just sort of listen to my inner voice. Uh, silence really is golden. Um, if you can sort of send your mind into a quiet space and listen to your inner voice, there's a lot being spoken about, but we let our mind kind of run the show. It's, the, it's like the monkey mind. So instead of letting that happen and having all the monkeys go crazy with their bananas, I hold the banana now. Mm-hmm. Um We've got about uh, six minutes left, Kevin. So your book is called Between the Notes, Practical Ways to Find Your Inner Groove and Dance to a Beat That Makes Your Heart Sing, obviously available on Amazon. Um, what are some practical ways that my audience can learn to live in the groove, so to speak? Well, as I spoke about it and I write about it in the book, the first thing is to ask yourself, are you happy? That's the first question. And what do you want to get rid of? What needs to go in your life? People, places, and things. Uh, what is working in your life? And how do you want your life to look? Do you want to be bogged down by certain things, uh, money issues and relationships that are toxic? Or do you want to be free? Uh, a lot of my clients uh, are middle-aged uh, women who have had the role of mother and wife and mm -hmm. business person, and they've forgotten their soul. So they have to rediscover me time. Uh, so I think when you live an authentic, simple life, you're better off. The tools that you do it with, I have uh, many of them listed in the book, things like going hiking, uh, and uh, th there's a whole list of the whole chapter, practical tools that you can use when you're getting a little funky. Mm -hmm. 
And then gratitude, you know, be be grateful that, you know, you're in this dream <laughs> experience um, and you're you're doing well. Like today, you know, I don't I don't uh, have cancer today. I'm, you know, I'm happy and talking to you. It's all good. And you're a life coach and you're taking some of what you learned through the cancer and through the being, you know, being rich, being broken, all of that. And, and you know, that's part of your your business, your practice is helping people live a better life. What, who's a good client for you? Uh, anyone that wants to change. Okay. So what I do, and more than a coach, like I don't really even like the word coach because I'm not even mm -hmm. sure what that means, but I'm a consultant, a teacher, a mentor. I, I sort of teach clients, including doctors and, and guys in cor corporation, the formula that I developed to let go of stress, feeling stuck and unhappy, and really find radical self-love and fun in their life. So my perfect client is someone who is willing to uh, learn and willing to change. They have to be ready to change. So when I do, I, I give free um, uh, Zoom um, consultations, not free, but complimentary, where I get to know right. people who are interested in working with me through my website, KevinRoth.org. And I, I can sense right away whether this is the right, uh, whether I can help this person or it's the right connection or do I send them somewhere else? It's like anything else. You know it when you see it. Yeah. And when people find me, and they do find me, uh, it's they become family. That's why I only work with six clients at a time. I don't. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't have like huge. I don't want to be a rock star coach. Or so six clients at a time is so. Is that just because of the lifestyle you want to maintain for yourself, or do you spend hours and hours and hours with each client? What? Why sex? No, it, it's because I care really deeply about their lives. And I spend okay. a lot of time thinking about them when I'm not coaching or when I'm not doing a session. And I want to be 100% with them. And I also need balance for myself. So otherwise, uh, you're going to slip back into worker bee and all that, right? Yeah, it's not. I, I'll never slip back into that because that's not who I am anymore. But, you know, my, my, you know, I have fairly high paying clients and they trust me and they become family. And uh, they're ready to change, you know. Um, I, I suppose I could have a whole lot more, but I don't want to be book solid with people. And, and you know, it, it, it's about when you know what it really is about, Jim. It's about when that client gets on Zoom with me, and let's say they look stressed at the end of the session, they no longer look stressed. Yeah. They look like, oh God, what a relief! I'm there. That's what it's about. Because then I'm not only doing my job. But it's like, you know, it's 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 just a, it's a good time. And and I've done what I believe is the reason that I survived cancer is showing other people what I did to change my life. That's awesome. I call that filling the heart book. You got to fill the checkbook. But filling the heart book is when you can yeah. see and really feel the difference you're making in people's yes. lives. That's awesome. Kevin, um, how can people connect with you? Where do you want them to get the book? Do you want them to go to Amazon? Do you want them to come to your website? What's 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 your well, preferred? You can method? find the book. Uh, just won International Best Book Award on Amazon. Um, so you can get the book. It's an e-book. It's a paperback. There's a CD of the music that's in the book. You can get that at my website, kevinroth.org, or on Amazon. And it's also an audio uh, version that I, I did. I read. And, and you did the audio. Yeah, that was a, that was a blast. Did, was are, are there song? Did you put songs in there too? No, we kept the songs out because of uh, copyright stuff. Ah, but right, you right. You can right. download the whole album uh, of music. I think there's 15 tunes. It's like a retrospective of my music career because each song I put in the book 
goes with each different chapter theme wise. Very cool. Well, I wish you a lot of luck, Kevin. Well, thank thanks you. so much for coming on Dream Business Radio. Well, thanks for having me. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special interview with my guest, Kevin Roth. I highly recommend you connect with him. Get a copy of his book for sure. You'll thank me later and download his music also. And uh, my guess is you've heard of Dulcimer. You just don't know it, right? <laughs> you can connect with me at getjimpalmer.com if you're interested in joining me and about 27 other smart entrepreneurs in the Dream Business Mastermind. Again, you go to dreambizcoaching.com, dreambizcoaching.com. And so here's how you can get a copy of my books in digital format. Uh, if you're into uh, Nook Books, which is barnesandnoblevnn.com, you can get them there. They're in the iBook store, all for free. And as Amazon, they're in the Kindle bookstore. There's another guy named Jim Palmer. He happened to pitch for the Baltimore Orioles. You can't just put Jim Palmer. My number one book uh, was my mindset book called Decide. So just go to Amazon, put Decide Jim Palmer. I'll pop up. Click my name. Comes up and that brings up my, my author's page. You'll see all my books. You can download them all. Get quite an education for free. But that's it. Until this time next week, another great interview. I am Captain Jim Palmer, the dream business coach, and you take good care. Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free dream business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.